Welcome to Flourish. I'm Diane Planetin, and you're in the right place if you're ready to create an inspired life. And we do so by working on our own personal development so we can be strong role models for those we love and mentor and maybe even know what we're talking about every now and then, right? Today is chapter 46 in our Psych 100 journey at Queen's University. It's a little bit about mastery, and you know I love that topic. So let's get started. Intellectual abilities, interests, and mastery. Psychologists interested in the study of human individuality have found that accomplishments in education, the world of work, and creativity are a joint function of talent, passion, and commitment, or how much effort and time one is willing to invest in personal development when the opportunity is provided. This module reviews models and measures that psychologists have designed to assess intellect, interests, and energy for personal development. The module begins with a model of organizing these three psychological domains, which is useful for understanding talent development. This model is not only helpful for understanding the many different ways the positive development may unfold among people, but is also useful for conceptualizing personal development and ways of selecting opportunities in learning and work settings that are more personally meaningful. Data supporting this module are reviewed. The learning objectives to keep in the back of your mind as you listen to this or read along on YouTube are to compare and contrast satisfaction and satisfactoriness. Discuss why the model of talent development offered in this module places equal emphasis on assessing the person and assessing the environment. Articulate the relationship between ability and learning and performance. Understand the issue of an ability threshold beyond which more ability may or may not matter. List personal attributes other than interests and abilities that are important to individual accomplishment. As mentioned before, I am a student and a teacher. I'm sharing my learning journey with you as we delve into Psych 100 from Queen's University. Or this is open courseware, so it might be another university that you're you're going to. So let's get started. An amalgam of intelligence, interests, and mastery are appropriate topics for an essay on the cross-cutting themes running through these vast domains of psychological diversity. For effective performance and valued accomplishments, these three classes of determinants are needed for comprehensive treatments of psychological phenomena supporting learning, occupational performance, and for advancing knowledge through innovative solutions. Historically, these personal attributes go back to at least Plato's triartic view of the human psyche, described in Federa, where he depicts the intellect as a charioteer and effect and will as horses that draw the chariot. Ever since that time, cognitive, affective, and cognitive factors have all been found in comprehensive models of human development or the trilogy of mind. To predict the magnitude, nature, and sophistication of intellectual development toward learning, working, and creating, all three classes are indispensable and deficits on any 
one can markedly hobble the effectiveness of the others in meeting standards for typical as well as extraordinary performance. These three aspects of human individuality all operate in parallel confluences of behaviors, perceptions, and stimuli to engender streams of consciousness, experiences, as well as effective functioning. Hilgard in 1980 was indeed justified to criticize formulations in cognitive psychology which neglected affection and connotation. Technically, such truncated frameworks of human psychological phenomenon are known as underdetermined or misspecified casual models. A framework for understanding talent development. I have a figure one here, which is an adaptation of the theory of work adjustment. It provides a useful organizational scheme for this treatment by outlining critical dimensions of human individuality for performance in learning and work settings and in transitioning between such settings. Here, the dominant models of intellectual abilities and educational occupational interests are assembled. Because this review will be restricted to measures of individual differences that harbor real-world significance, these two models are linked to corresponding features of learning and work environments, ability requirements, and incentive or reward structures, which set standards for meeting expectations, performance, and rewarding valued performance, compensation. Correspondence between abilities and ability requirements constitute satisfactoriness, competence, whereas correspondence between an interest and reward structure constitutes satisfaction, fulfillment. To the extent that satisfactoriness and satisfaction co-occur, the individual is motivated to maintain contact with the environment and the environment is motivated to retain the individual. If one of these dimensions is discorrespondent, the individual is motivated to leave the environment or the environment is motivated to dismiss. Take a look at this crazy figure one. Watch this on YouTube about talent development. It's really, really good. Really good. And uh, I encourage you to, to take a quick look. All right. This model of talent development places equal emphasis on assessing the individual abilities and interests, and the environment, response requirement, and reward structures. Comprehensive reviews of outcomes within education, counseling, and industrial organizational psychology all emphasize this person-environment tandem. Aligning competency, motivational proclivities to perform standards and reward structures for learning and work. And indeed, educational, counseling, and industrial psychology can be contiguously sequenced by this framework. They all share a common feature, scientific study of implementing interventions or opportunities based on individual differences for maximizing positive psychological growth across different stages of lifespan development. For making individual decisions about personal development or institutional decisions about organizational development, it is frequently useful to go beyond a minimum requisite approach of, do you like it? And can you do it? And instead consider what individuals like the most and can do the best. This framework is useful for identifying optimal promise for personal as well as organizational development. 
For now, however, cognitive abilities and interests will be reviewed and ultimately linked to connotative determinants that mobilize and in part account for individual differences in how capabilities and motives are expressed. Cognitive abilities. Over the past several decades, the past 20 years in particular, a remarkable consensus has emerged that cognitive abilities are organized hierarchically. General outline of this hierarchy is represented graphically by a radix depicted in the upper left region of figure one. So take a look at this on YouTube. This illustrates the reliable finding that cognitive ability assessments co-vary as a function of their content or complexity. Cognitive ability tests can be scaled in this space based on how highly they can vary with one another. The more that two tests share complexity and content, the more they can vary with the closer they are to one another as points within the radix. Text complexity is scaled from the center of the radix, G, out and along lines emanating from the origin. Complexity decreases, but test content remains the same. Test content is scaled around the circular bands with equal distance from the center of the radix and progressing around these bands, the relative density of test content changes from spatial mechanical to verbal linguistic to quantitative numerical, but test complexity remains constant. Therefore, test content varies within each band, whereas test complexity varies between bands. Because of the extent to which tests can vary is represented by how close together they are within this space, this module is helpful in organizing the many different kinds of specific ability tests. As Piaget astutely pointed out, intelligence is what you use when you don't know what to do. And this module affords an excellent overview of the content and sophistication of thought applied to familiar and novel problem-solving tasks. Mathematical, spatial, and verbal reasoning constitute the chief specific abilities with implications for different choices and performance after those choices in learning and work settings. This content of measure or tests of these specific abilities index individual differences in different modalities of thought, reasoning with numbers, words, and figures or shapes. Yet, despite this disparate content and focus, contrasting specific ability tests are all positively correlated because they all index an underlying general property of intellectual thought. This general dimension, identified over a hundred years ago and corroborated by a massive quantity of subsequent research, is general mental ability the general factor, or simply G. General mental ability represents the complexity, sophistication of a person's intellectual repertoire. The more complex a test is, regardless of its content, the better measure of it G it is. Further, because G underlies all cognitive reasoning processes, any test that assesses a specific ability is also, to some extent, a measure of G. In school, work, and a variety of everyday life circumstances, 
assessments of this general dimension vary more broadly and deeper than any other measure of human individuality. Measures of G manifest their life importance by going beyond educational settings, by playing with a role in shaping phenomena within Freud's two important life domains, Arbeiten and Leben, working and loving. Measures of G vary 0 0.20 to 0.60 with work performance as a function of job complexity, 0 0.30 to 0.40 with income and negative 0 0.20 with criminal behavior. 0 0.40 with SES of origin and 0 0.50 to 0.70 with achieved SES. Assortative mating correlations on G are around 0 0.50. Furthermore, Malcolm Gladwell in 2008, notwithstanding, said there does not appear to be an ability threshold. That is, the idea that after a certain point, more ability does not matter. More ability and does matter. Although other determinants are certainly needed, more ability does make a difference in learning, working, and creating even among the top 1% of ability, or IQ equivalents ranging from approximately 137 to over 200. When appropriate assessment and criteria and measures are utilized to capture the breadth of ability and accomplishment differences among the profoundly talented Individual differences within the top 1% of ability are shown to matter a great deal. In the past, this has been difficult to demonstrate because intellectual assessments and criterion measures lack sufficient scope. In gifted or intellectually talented populations, which resulted in no variation in assessments among the able and exceptionally able. Without variation, there cannot be covariation, but modern methods have now corrected for this. Yet, even when G is measured in its full scope and validated with large samples and appropriate low base criteria over protracted longitudinal intervals, there is much more to intellectual functioning than measures of G or general ability. They have a, a good graph here again on. Uh, YouTube, so take a look at it about that. To reveal how general and specific abilities operate over the course of development, Figure 3 contains data from over 400,000 high school students assessed between grades 9 through 12 and tracked for 11 years. Specifically, this figure graphs the general and specific ability profiles of students earning terminal degrees in nine disciplines. Given that highly congruent findings were observed for all four cohorts, grades 9 through 12, the cohorts were combined. High general intelligence and intellectual orientation dominated by high mathematical and spatial abilities relative to verbal ability were salient characteristics of individuals who pursued advanced education credentials in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. These participants occupy a region in the intellectual space defined by the dimensions of ability level and ability pattern different from participants who earn undergraduate and graduate degrees in other domains. Two major differences distinguish the STEM from the non-STEM educational groups, so STEM being science, technology, engineering, and math. 
First, students who ultimately secure educational credentials in STEM domains are more capable than those earning degrees in other areas, especially in nonverbal intellectual abilities. Within all educational domains, more advanced degrees are associated with more general and specific abilities. Second, for all three STEM educational groupings and the advanced degrees within these groupings, spatial ability is greater than verbal ability, whereas for all others ranging from education to biology, the spatial ability is less than verbal ability, with business being the exception. Young adolescents who subsequently secure advanced educational credentials in STEM manifested a spatial verbal ability pattern opposite that of those who ultimately earned educational credentials in other areas. These same patterns play out in occupational arenas in predictable ways. In the past decade, individual differences within the top 1% of ability have revealed that these patterns port end important outcomes for technical innovation and creativity with respect to both ability level and pattern. Level of general ability has predictive validity for the magnitude of accomplishment, how extraordinary they are, whereas ability pattern has predictive validity for the nature of accomplishment, the domains they occur in. Interests. Just because people can do something well doesn't mean they like doing it. <laughs> I like that. Psychological information on motivational differences personal passions, is needed to understand attractions and aversions, different ways to create a meaningful life, and how differential development unfolds. Even people with the same intellectual equipment vary widely in their motivational proclivities. Paraphrasing Plato, different horses drive intellectual development down different life paths. You will notice if you are watching this on YouTube, the lower left region of figure one provides the dominant model of vocational interests one developed from decades of large-scale, longitudinal, and cross-cultural research. It shows that hexagonal structure consisting of six general themes. Realistic equals working with gadgets and things, the outdoors, need for structure. Investigative, scientific pursuits, especially mathematics and the physical science, an interest in theory. Artistic, creative expression in art and writing, little need for structure. Social, people interests, that helping professions, teaching, nursing, counseling, enterprising, likes leadership roles directed towards economic objectives, and conventional, liking of well-structured environments and clear chains of command, such as office practices. These six themes co-vary inversely with the distance between them, hence the hexagonal structure circling around R-I-A-S-E-C. John Holland justifiably receives most of the credit of this model, although Guilford et al. uncovered a similar framework based on military data and labeled them mechanical, scientific, aesthetic, expression, social welfare, business, and clerical. Although each theme contains multiple subcomponents, Holland's hexagon, like the radix of cognitive abilities, captures the general outlines of the educational occupational interest domain. But there are molecular strands of elective and interest dimensions that adds nuance to these general outlines. There are also superordinal themes such as people, 
versus things, which manifests arguably the largest sex difference on a psychological dimension of human individuality. At superordinate levels of people versus things or data versus ideas, or at the RIASEC level of analysis, interest dimensions co vary in different ways with mathematical, spatial, and verbal abilities. And intense selection, when exclusively restricted to a specific ability, will eventuate in distinctive interest profiles across the three abilities with implications for differential development. Although correlations between abilities and interests are only in the 0 0.20 to 0 0.30 range, when selection is extreme, distinct profiles emerge and reflect different types. For basic science, this shows how obstinately different kinds of intelligence at the extreme do not stem from different qualities, but rather from endpoint extremes with a multivariate space of systematic sources of individual differences, which pull them from constellations of non-intellectual personal attributes. For applied practice, skilled educational vocational counselors routinely combine information on abilities and interests to distill learning and work environments that individuals are likely to thrive in competence and experience fulfillment. For further insights, a final class of important psychological determinants is needed, however. Mastery. As all parents of more than one child know, there's a huge individual differences in the extent to which individuals embrace opportunities for positive development. Seasoned faculty at top institutions for graduate training have observed the same phenomenon. Among highly select graduate students, task commitment varies tremendously. Even among the intellectual elite, individual differences in accomplishment stem from more than abilities, interests, and opportunity. Connotative determinants are critical catalysts. Galton called it zeal, Hall called it industriousness, and Webb called it will. Such labels as grit or strivers are sometimes used to define resources that people call upon to mobilize their abilities and interests over protracted intervals. Cognitive factors are distinct from capabilities and preferences, having more to do with individual differences in energy or psychological tempo rather than the content of what people can do or how rapidly they learn. Indeed, characteristics across scientific studies of expertise and world-class accomplishment are attributes specifically indicative of indefatigable capacities for study and work. This is an underappreciated class of individual differences. Although Ackerman in 1996 had discussed typical intellectual engagement and Dawson and Lofquist in 1984 have discussed pace and endurance, this class of attributes simply has not received the attention it deserves. Nevertheless, in the field of talent development and identification, the greatest consensus appears to be found on the topic of cognition rather than cognition or effect. Exceptional performers are deeply committed to what they do and they devote a great deal of time to doing it. Regardless of the theorists, Gardner, Summington, Jensen, Erickson, and Zuckerman all agree that this is a uniform characteristic of world-class performers at the top of their game, in the words of Dean Simiton and E.O. Wilson, respectively.
Making it big, becoming a star is a career. People who wish to do so must organize their whole lives around a single enterprise. They must be monomaniacs, even megalomaniacs about their pursuits. They must start early, labor continuously, and never give up the cause. Success is not for the lazy, procrastinating, or murkrell. That was Simenton. And then the next quote is, I have been presumptuous enough to counsel new PhDs in biology as follows. If you choose an academic career, you will need 40 hours a week to perform teaching and administrative duties, another 20 hours on top of that to conduct respectable research, and still another 20 hours to accomplish really important research. This formula is not boot camp rhetoric. And that was Wilson in 1998. And then they refer to another figure four, which contains data from two extraordinary populations of individuals. One group consists of a sample of profoundly gifted adolescents identified at age 12 as in the top one in 10,000 in mathematical or verbal reasoning ability. They were subsequently tracked for 20 years. Members of the second group were identified in their early 20s as first or second year STEM graduate students enrolled in a top 15 U.S. university. They were subsequently tracked for 10 years. Now in their mid-30s, subjects were asked how much they would be willing to work in their ideal job, and second, how much they actually do work. The data are clear. There are huge individual differences associated with how much time people are willing to invest in their career development and work. The STEM graduate students are particularly interesting in as much as in their mid-20s, they were assessed on abilities, interests, and personality, and both sexes were found to be highly similar on these psychological dimensions. But subsequently, over the lifespan, they markedly diverged in time, allocation, and life priorities. That's really good. That's a really good job. Chart. I like that. These figures revealed huge non cognitive individual differences among individuals with exceptional intellectual talent. One only needs to imagine the ticking of a 10 year clock and the differences likely to accrue over a five year interval between two faculty working 45 versus 65 hour weeks, other things being equal. Making partner in a prestigious law firm is no different, nor is achieving genuine excellence in most intellectually demanding areas. In conclusion, since Spearman in 1904 advanced the idea of general intelligence, a steady stream of systematic scientific knowledge has accrued in the psychological study of human individuality. We have learned that the intellect is organized hierarchically, that interests are multidimensional and only co-vary slightly with abilities and that individual differences are huge in terms of investing in personal development. When these aspects of human psychological diversity are combined with commensurate attention devoted to opportunities for learning, work, and personal growth, a framework for understanding human development begins to take shape because frameworks may be found that emphasize only one set of these determinants. This essay closes with the recommendation, based on the empirical evidence, to stress all three.
that was a lot to take in on this chapter and it sounds like there's a lot more research that has to be done when it comes to our intellect but i really did find it fascinating because these intelligence tests actually do give a guideline and do give a some type of looking glass to the interests and the strengths that we all have inside of us. Well, if you like the show, share it with somebody you know, and maybe leave a comment, thumbs up, and a subscribe. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, write a little review. It it helps others find the show, and uh, maybe it'll help others live a more inspired life.